man. Watch out, Doc. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case loving you. Do you have questions or need advice for all the aches and pains in your life? We're here to help. This is Doc Talk with Hans Olsen, presented by University of Utah Health on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. That's right, it is Doc Talk, presented by University of Utah Health. Hans Olsen will be hosting this in just a few minutes. Not sure if uh, you're out there on the roads, but if you are, take a deep breath. Calm it down a little. Maybe turn on some Kenny G. Just take it easy. Be a be a good neighbor this holiday season, even though we're all pretty stupid behind the wheel this time of night. So be careful out there. But I am Austin Horton filling in until uh, uh, they they take me out of here with the shepherd's uh, cane. And uh, I'm here tonight with my actually a uh, good uh, acquaintance. Nick Monson, Dr. Nick Monson. How are you, Nick? Practically best friends. Yeah, seriously. Uh, we, we vacation together. Uh, <laughs> our kids' names are... are you're, you have a kid named Austin. I have a kid named Nick. It's No, none of that's <laughs> actually true. But uh, but we've got uh, a great night ahead of you, and uh, it's good to have you back in the hot seat, Doctor. Uh, did you miss us? Of course I missed you guys. Yeah, that's... You guys been doing all right? No one, no one believes you. <laughs> we've missed you. Yes, uh, I'm thankful that you asked if we've been all right. But yeah, Dr. Nick uh, Monson works for, obviously, Utah, University of Utah Health, and uh, he's an assistant professor, clinical board-certified primary care sports medicine specialist with the orthopedic department. So if you have questions or concerns about your health, especially be it orthopedic-related, sports injury, whatever you got... 855-340-ZONE, 855-340-ZONE. I've got the ringer turned up. We'll get you right on with the good doctor. How's your family getting ready for Christmas? Everything all set? Yeah, well, I mean, I've got three kids, and uh, this time of year is always trying to figure out what the list of everything is and trying to make sure that it's reasonable and uh, right. <laughs> that it's not going to involve something that's living that I have to try and help keep alive. Right, yeah. Sometimes so. Santa just brings those things but without checking with the parents. Yep. And so my parents did the same thing growing up was check my list before I head on over to Santa and say, hey, this is what I need. Because <laughs> exactly. mom and dad got to live with the, the gift that comes as well. So. That's, that's exactly uh, right, man. But uh, So you're not a Christmas Eve type shopper, though, for the other gifts. No, well, you know with the beauty of uh, the internet we try to support the local retailers as much as possible but man the beauty of the internet sure makes that easy to get some of this knocked out when uh, even life is hectic and crazy so. yeah someday we're not going to have to see another human being ever <laughs> we're <laughs> just going to be able to do everything from our house without pants on that's isn't, just isn't that what, what hans is do. trying to do right now that's, that's exactly <laughs> what hans is doing all right eight five five three four oh zone if you got a question for the doctor we're going to take these live on air so buckle up we'll see how this goes eight Five five exciting three four zero zone. It is Doc Talk. Who's this? What's your name? Hey, my name is Davis. Davis, you're on with Doctor Nick Monson. Go ahead. Hey. So, long story short, I have I pride myself that I have pretty good ankles. Like when I when somebody would roll ankle, I could normally just walk it off. Yeah. But recently, I do landscaping for a living, so I am walking around and on my feet all day long. Yeah. With big backpack blowers and stuff, and my feet get a lot of wear. Recently, after like during long days, towards the end of the day, um, on my foot, on my left foot, it doesn't feel like I have pushed in my ankle, but it just start, kind of starts hurting, and I'm almost start to limp at the end of the day. 
And every so often when my foot starts to hurt like this, when I plant, it's almost like my ankle collapses and I it like hurts really bad. And then I'll kind of shake it off and walk around and it doesn't stay collapsed. Like I can walk around, but it just kind of goes back to hurting normally. Yeah. And then what part of the ankle is this hurting on? Is it on the inside or the outside of it or the front? It is on the, how do I explain this? It's like where my leg meets my foot, right? Kind of in the crevice of my ankle on the outside. Okay. It's kind of where I feel it most. Kind of on that big bump out there. Yeah. It's a little bit more on the top of my foot to the bump area. Yeah. And like when when I kind of step, it almost like I almost like lose my balance because it hurts. And is that something I should get checked out, or is it just because I'm long days? Well, tell me, uh, how do you do in the uh, beginning of the day? Does it bother you much then? No, no issues at all. Okay, it's, so mostly it's at the end of the day. You could wake up in the morning and you could hop on it and you'd be okay. Yeah, yeah. And does no it swell up on you? No, hardly ever. Okay, and it doesn't bruise or have anything along mm-hmm. those lines. No. Yeah, I mean, that's something it sounds like you are thinking. It's probably more of an overused type of injury, uh, something where you're on it all day. And basically, as the foot uh, gets overused, the muscles stop firing as well as they need to, and it fatigues out, and you put more pressure on the bones and on the ligaments, and that can cause some pain. So, honestly, that usually responds pretty well to modifying your activity. And with what you do, I don't know if that's always necessarily the easiest thing. So then we try and strengthen up as uh, much as we can around that ankle. Uh, you know, sometimes people will have something like that, and it's a stress fracture, but that hurts all the time, right? You can't walk on that without hurting. So, so Dr. Monson, one of the questions I'd have in regards to that, what what is the time frame on if, if it doesn't stop hurting, then I need to take th- the next measure? Does that make sense? Ladies and gentlemen, Hans Olsen. Hey, nice to be here. <laughs> Traffic is fantastic yeah. out there. Please be safe. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the timeline on that usually. So with what he's describing, you know, doing a lot of act- activity where he's walking for the entire day with weight on his back. Uh, I would say if he's modifying activity and it's still not getting better, then he should be seen. Uh, you know, if he keeps doing the same thing that's provoking it, then we're not going to anticipate it's going to get better quickly. Uh, but I'd say if that's a persistent issue after two to four weeks, that's definitely something I'd take a look at and make sure that we're not missing anything else. How long has this been hurting? So it's, it's kind of always, like, last like three or four months I've kind of noticed it, but it's not every day. It's like every few days after a long day with like extra work or like I've gone extra miles or whatever. I'll notice it. Like if I go play basketball at the end of the day, I'll notice it. And but it's like intermittent. It's like not every single day, and it's only started noticing it the last three or four months. Hmm. Yeah. Do you notice it with different footwear or anything along those lines? Uh, a little bit. Not really. Like now, I've started to wear more boots because it's wet. Yeah. And I do snow removal as well. But in the summer, I was wearing more tennis shoes, and I think that probably helped it a little bit. But not as much because I'm still wearing my tennis shoes and when I'm not wearing them I don't notice it particularly more I mean that's definitely something that we'd be happy to see for it's it's fairly straightforward for us to be able to take a look at that and give you some good tips on how to get that to not be a chronic issue being a young healthy guy otherwise it sounds like something you don't need to necessarily deal with if we approach it from the right angle okay and then if I wore an ankle brace would that help or do you just think that it just uh, kind of wearing 
after a long day, it's just going to hurt regardless of if I'm wearing an ankle brace or not. Oh, I bet you'd feel better if you put the ankle brace as it went on. Um, the ankle brace is kind of taking over what the long-term goal is, which is to strengthen up the ankle so that it's not taking as much pressure, right? So long-term yeah. goal, I don't want you feeling like you need to wear an ankle brace because you're working too hard. The idea is let's build up the strength so that you don't have to feel that need for extra support. So uh, in the meantime, you're welcome to throw an ankle brace on as it starts to bother and see if that doesn't help calm it down a little bit more. Okay, thank you. you Thanks it. for the call. That's exactly how it's done here on Doc Talk. 855-340-9663 to jump on the phone line with Dr. Monson. That's 855-340-9663. Chris, you're up next with Dr. Monson. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, Hans. Hey, Doc. How are y'all doing? Doing very good. Good. How you doing, man? Good, good to hear. So, I when I was fourteen, um, I, I was a very big kid. I'm right now. I'm six five, three hundred and ten. Back in ninth grade, I was about six three, three hundred. I, I was a big boy. Yeah. Um, I grew up way too big, way too fast. A bunch of um, of the arches in my foot collapsed. Um, I was seen up at Shriners. They told me I had something called perineal spastic flat foot. Um, what had what happened is they did a bunch of surgeries where they fused my ankle together yeah. and uh, put in a staple. And almost like um, the last gentleman on, uh, there's times where I'll step on my foot and something goes from, from my ankle all the way up the back of my thigh, almost into my lower back. And it, my whole leg just goes numb for a half second, but then it's back to normal. Um, and then I'm, I'm always like in the morning, waking up with pain in the evening after a long day pain. I'm just more curious, what kind of things can I do to get rid of the pain? I, I'm, I'm kind of at a loss and Shriners was kind of at a loss too. They said that this specific case was, hmm like very rare so they didn't really know what they were doing either okay how old are you now i'm 25 okay um and what do you do for activity so i work i work fast food i deliver pizza so i'm always up yeah um i'm I'm on it a lot and i'm still a pretty big dude so does it bother you when you're sitting some, if I'm sitting for a decent amount of time, it becomes very stiff. Like, even if I haven't done anything all day and I sit down for half an hour. And when you say stiff, are you talking about in your foot or are you talking about the pain that goes down? So I'm talking about my foot and then that's that begins the pain. Like, if I get up and start walking again, that's where the pain begins again, if that makes sense. Okay. What, when was the last time you had an evaluation with a physician for this? Um, I haven't since the last time I went with Shriners and that was probably nine or 10 years ago. Yeah. But when it, the last time that I met with them, they told me that there wasn't a whole lot else that they could do. Yeah. Just because of the the rareness of the case. Okay. Well, you know, things change. Now you're an adult and it's worth taking a look at again. Um, 
the, the foot's complicated, man. It's the platform for the rest of the body. There's a lot that goes on with the foot, and it, it has a lot of very fine, small muscles that help support the arch, that help support the rest of the ankle. And those muscles, uh, they require some some TLC to maintain their strength and to help you maintain that foot. But, uh, you know, there's there's three things, basically, that you can really think about as far as helping helping out. And, and one is uh, strength. So building up strength takes pressure off the foot. Uh, and it helps uh, uh, align the rest of the uh, knee and the hip and the low back and everything else that comes around that. Uh, there's impact, so you can minimize the amount of impact you put on it, which is somewhat difficult uh, with what you do. You know, I understand you have to get out there and deliver pizzas, and that requires a lot of activity. But it's probably not ideal for you to try and go out and run. On top of that, we would recommend that you uh, vary the type of activity that you're doing outside of work, such as getting out and swimming or, or hopping on an exercise bike or even an elliptical, something that doesn't have that impact. And then the third is anything you can do to, to minimize the amount of pressure that's on the foot. So uh, uh, maintaining a healthy weight is always really helpful for that, which it sounds like that's been kind of a long-term thing you've been working with too. But those, those are three things that um, I would definitely say you could focus on. And then on the bony level, a lot of that's going to require us to take a look and actually see what the structure of the foot is uh, with some uh, different types of x-rays that give us an idea of, of your alignment of the foot and if there's anything else. If you don't feel like you've developed any significant uh, numbness or tingling or particular weakness or bowel or bladder changes or anything that would be more concerning for a back issue, then we would probably address this primarily as the foot. But you do describe some things where it radiates down the leg that, uh, you know, it'd be worth uh, checking out a couple different exam maneuvers to see if if it uh, is some tension on a nerve from the low back as well. Awesome. Well, I I appreciate you guys' time. I I love listening to you guys every week, so... Great. Thanks for the call, Chris. Hopefully you can get Thanks, that. Hans. Yep. Hopefully you can get that thing figured out, man. That sounds miserable. Yeah. So, what what causes the arch to collapse typically? Is it is it body size? Uh, there's a couple things. So there's uh, muscles that we talked about. One one muscle in particular that we worry about the most. Well, not the most, but a, a very important muscle uh, comes from the calf called the posterior tibialis, and it goes in and it really helps pull up the inside of our arch. And it's a common one if people uh, have pain in that muscle and they don't address it and don't try and work on it, it eventually lets the arch collapse. So that's when we're a little bit more aggressive on watching for and maintaining, uh, making sure that it doesn't uh, fatigue out and, and have major issues. But people can also be born with, uh, you know, there's a lot of bones that make up the foot. And sometimes you have some of those bones that are fused together at a, at a young age. And so they can actually make you flat footed just based off of uh, how the foot is formed. Well, I was going to say, when I, you know, if I get the bottom of my foot wet and I put it down on cement, you can see the entire arch, you know, I'm that flat footed. It, yeah. it sits down and I've never had pain in my feet. So yep. why would I not have pain and he has pain? Yeah, exactly. And there, there's not a perfect answer for that. I mean, it, honestly, a lot of our high-level athletes have very flat feet. And, uh, it's. I mean, it's interesting. We've had some of our high-level athletes come in from other teams, and we've seen them. They've been in orthotics, and they've developed stress fractures because the other docs look at it and they're like, hey, you're flat-footed. We need to correct your foot alignment, throw them into an orthotic, and suddenly they're getting stress fractures because all this pressure is going on to bones that have always been fine, but they haven't bothered them. So, again, it's— So you don't correct an arch anymore? 
only if it's necessary. Yeah. Yeah. If it's symptomatic, then you correct it. But it, trying to create what we consider normal, that doesn't have to happen. I mean, we don't, you know, we like to play God, but we're not great at it. So, <laughs> you know, it's not an exact science to yeah. play the yeah. man upstairs at this point. Yeah. You, you, you look at what their functionality is with the foot and if it's appropriate and it's working for what they're doing. I'll tell you, I mean, there's a lot of these guys that can jump a heck of a lot higher than me and they have the flattest feet on earth and well, that's okay. Is there a, is there a consistency to the, to the, the arch and the flatness of a foot in a great athlete? Is there, is there no. anything that you can draw any parallel? Not that I know of. Not that you've ever. Yeah. Not, not based off the data that I'm aware of if, you know, it correlates with anything in particular. 855-340-9663 to jump on Doc Talk with us brought to you by University of Utah Health. Um, you know, obviously so many great things that University of Utah Health offers. And one thing that I'd love to talk to you about, Dr. Monson, is our walk-in clinics. Yeah. Um, the walk-in clinics are so helpful, and I've received so much great feedback from our listeners. Um, this is now our sixth year. Can you believe that, Reagan? I think this is our sixth year doing Doc Talk here. Uh maybe five and i would say over the five years five and a half years i bet i've received 20 emails 25 emails from listeners that have come into the walk-in clinic and it 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 really has an impact for them yeah there are no appointments necessary uh number two you get to see the physicians that work with the jazz that work with university of utah football teams gymnastic teams so you get some of the best physicians in the world you get access to some of the best physicians in the world and the other thing is it 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 really is quick from what i've been told there is very little wait time and it is very it is a very quick process for them to get in and and get out in those clinics. Yeah, uh, talk a little bit about those clinics and and how impactful they've been for you. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity for uh, our patients. I mean, you can try and schedule an appointment, and depending on the season and what's happening, but you could wait two, three, four weeks to get in, or you can show up to the injury clinic where you'll have one of our board certified physicians ready to see you that same day uh, regarding an issue. And we, we try to keep it to more acute issues rather than, you know, something right. that's been very chronic per se. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a chance to, to get that professional opinion in, in a quick manner. And, and on top of that, the majority of us have, you know, fairly extensive training in ultrasound imaging or uh, injection techniques or things that can be taken care of same day uh, quite frequently where you get a fairly extensive answer to your question. Uh, uh, based off of being able to see us in that time slot. So it's it's pretty fantastic. It's it's a great opportunity, I think, for patients. It really is a, an amazing opportunity. So uh, we'll give you some more information on that. The walk-in clinics, if you have an injury, your kid has an injury, mom and dad, if they have an injury and you need to be seen, it's really easy. Monday through Thursday, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. And then Friday, they extend that time, noon to 6 p.m., and you just walk in, and we'll get you into these physicians. It's just awesome. So I'm grateful to University of Utah Health for offering that to our listeners. All right, let's jump back out to the phone lines. Go to Nico. Nico, you're up next with Dr. Monson. Go ahead. Hey, Dr. Monson. Um, I had a question. Uh, I uh, do a lot of lifting. I uh, work out at least four times a week, and I've started noticing when I'm doing – like overhead presses, things like that. 
um, some strain on my chest, my upper shoulders, things like that, I start noticing a sharp pain in my sternum. Okay. Um, it's nothing that is persistent. Like after I feel that quick pain, it's almost like getting punched right in the middle of the chest. Yeah. And then I leave it alone and it's fine. And the next time I go to the gym, I could be doing the same exact exercise I was doing and feel nothing uh, to that extent. But when I do feel it, it's like it's almost like it knocks the wind out of me. Mm. And I, I know it's not something that has to do with, you know, internal, like my heart or anything like that. It is strictly just right in the middle of my sternum, right in the middle of my pecs. Okay. Uh, how often are you uh, lifting your pecs? Um, at least once a week. Okay. So when you go uh, four days a week, you are varying up what you're doing? Yes. Okay. So it's not, every day is not chest day, right? You, you're throwing leg day in there. No, no. Because no. oh, yeah, I've yeah. tried that program and I'm already, I'm already like a big bird. It doesn't work out well for me if I skip leg day, man. <laughs> don't believe it, Yeah, man. definitely don't do chest every day. Okay. Oh. Dr. Monson, he's he's equally muscly across the body. He's yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I try uh, to be. <laughs> uh, no, so there, uh, believe it or not, there's actually a joint in the middle of your uh, sternum, right? Your your uh, breastbone there, and sometimes you can have just a. T- it's not it's not uh, any type of uh, massive motion, but you can get some pressure there, and you can get a little pop every now and then, and it can be relieving when it happens, or it can hurt sometimes. It's not dangerous. Um, and on top of that, the uh, ribs themselves don't actually attach to the uh, breastbone or the sternum uh, bone to bone. They actually attach with cartilage. And that cartilage is pretty flexible and, and movable. Uh, otherwise, we wouldn't be able to take big breaths in and out, right? That, that's what allows our, our chest wall to expand. Um, and so there's a lot of motion in that area. And on top of all of that, you, you then have these muscles that attach to those uh, bony uh, uh, points. And so uh, you throw all that together, and it's going to have some motion. It's going to have some movement. Uh, you know, usually when this happens, there's a couple key things to think about. One is when you're, when you're doing your overhead type of work, make sure you can see your hands with whatever type of exercise you're doing. Don't let those hands fall right. too far off to the side or too high above you where you can't actually make sure that you're using good technique. Technique is a, a huge component of this, especially when you're pulling it out of a normal plane of uh, – of exercise for you. So be able to see your hands as, you, as you're doing your lifts and then do a very slow controlled movement. Don't try and uh, do uh, a fast motion. So, so keep it nice and slow and controlled. And in that setting, uh, you can actually listen to your body just a little bit better. And then you can focus on not just using your chest to lift, but making sure that you're filling your shoulder blades uh, activate and that those muscles across your back are helping control that motion. If all weight goes onto that chest, it's, it's uh, set up for disaster. If, if you're making sure that um, your, your back muscles that control your shoulder blades are involved, it really, it really makes it a smooth ride for you. Hey, uh, by the way, Dr. Monson, I thought that was a fantastic description and a lot of good things to work on for you, Nico. Nico, does it is it is it only with the bar or do you feel the same type of popping and pressure with dumbbells? Uh, with dumbbells sometimes, and then even when... Uh, like just stretching, like, you know, stretch your arms out to the sides and just like waking up in the morning. If I, I, I feel like you pretty much hit it on the head. If I do it too quickly, that's when I feel that sharp pain and it feels like a little pop. Like if I were to pop my knuckle or something like that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I've had that happen before. It's kind of disconcerting. 
<laughs> yeah, because oh, it's, yeah. it's pretty close to your I heart. Feel that and yeah. It's like, I'm going to die. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen somebody die from it, so we should be cool. <laughs> okay. That's all I need to know. <laughs> all right, man. Well, good luck on that, Nico. Thank you. Thanks for the call. 855-340-9663 to jump on with Dr. Nick Monson. Kind enough to join us here in the Doc Talk chair. We really appreciate him. That's 855-340-9663. You know, you bring up some really great advice on just overall lifting. Yeah. People think that, you know, because now you're watching these CrossFit videos and uh, what what's the new thing where they're doing these pull-ups with weights around their hips and yeah. and hard you know power power cleans and jerk and lifts yeah it, it's so hard on the joints and the body but it's great for business huh it's great for business <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> and and they've made an, an, another sport out of it that they put on yeah. tv but man it just doesn't seem like it's healthy for your body uh, it depends i mean again if you can do it with good form uh, then I don't think it's unreasonable. You can start to push yourself to new limits. But at the same time, if you're not doing it with good form in the beginning, you're just a setup for an injury. What is this new – I'm trying to – it's not CrossFit. What I don't, is, yeah, the name of it. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I can't remember. But it's it's it really – I watch it on TV, and it just looks like it's abusive on the body. But I guess, you know, if, if you're hitting it in the right form and you're training for it, yeah, might be good on the body. Yeah, I mean, that's there's a combination of answers to that. Of course, there's wear and tears. We're doing some of those things. But uh, the question is always benefit of, uh, you know, the, the risk versus the benefit, right? Yeah. And in that setting, there's probably, as long as you're doing it with good form, there's a benefit to it, especially if you're passionate about it. I mean, if that's what you love and that's what you do, I'll, I support you in, you know, trying to continue with it as long as it's uh, not causing an injury. And your body's responding well. Yeah. And... All right, let's jump back out to the phone lines. Go to Evan. You're up next with Dr. Monson. Go ahead, Evan. Yes, uh, I've got symptoms that seem pretty classic for thoracic outlet syndrome uh-huh. and uh, referred to physical therapy, and I've been seeing them for five, six months. Uh, a lot of fleeting pain down my arm seems to be better, but I still have a lot of numbness in my fingers, and any time I kind of move my arms forward, there's a whole lot of numbness. Yeah. Uh, at least my understanding of things is physical therapy for six-plus months, and then... And then I guess my question is, what's next? Where do I go if I'm not better? Uh, yeah. Do you have a physician managing this for you? Uh, well, tell you the truth, I am a physician. And okay. <laughs> talking to my colleagues and whatnot, and some say, well, I'll go to a uh, neurologist. But uh, it seems like they would just do the diagnostic stuff. And yeah. what I read is certain thinking about surgical release of the rib and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So you've never had a um, actual neurologic, com- or I'm sorry, a vascular component like a blood vessel change, no, discoloration of purely, the extremity, swelling. Purely neurogenic or neurological. Yeah. So you know when we're talking about thoracic outlet, I'll explain just to the audience. Uh, thoracic outlet. Uh, there's a large grouping of nerves. They come from the neck. They pass through the. Uh, kind of collarbone uh, chest area down the arm and supply uh, sense and strength to our upper extremities or our arms. And um, at one point along the traveling, either from the neck down, they can get pinched or irritated. Um, and so it's called thoracic outlet. Uh, typically, it occurs most commonly around that shoulder level, uh, collarbone to, to uh, kind of armpit region. 
and trying to figure out where that's getting pinched is, is quite challenging. And thoracic outlet's one of those things that if you tell a treating physician, we always, uh, we cringe a little bit, right? Because it's, it's really tricky to identify that particular mm-hmm. part, which is why part of the recommendation is to do physical therapy, because if you're functionally uh, where you want to be and, and doing well, then we're, we're very encouraging not to do surgery for it. As you noted, the, the surgical options, uh, doing like a rib resection, um, are quite reasonable if there's a vascular component to it. Uh, when it's neurogenic, when it's more of the nerves involved, uh, it's not. All, it's kind of a hit and miss on, on removing a rib. Um, the the vascular component is usually easier to detect as well because imaging, uh, you know, CT scans um, where we put a little contrast into the artery or vein uh, can show that there's actually compression happening there and makes it very obvious that removing the rib would be reasonable. Um, but in a in a nerve setting, there's not a perfect imaging hmm. uh, that can be done. So, uh, to me. If you meet a uh, good sports medicine physician, is probably a reasonable step for you to answer your question as to where you go. Uh, I'd probably see a non-operative sports medicine specialist. Um, and and that, and that is kind of my question. You know, some, some folks say, well, I'll go to a neurologist, and I love my neurologist friends, but they're not, uh, uh, I mean, they diagnose things, but yeah. uh, I'm like, who's going to fix this, or do I... Just yeah. keep doing my PT indefinitely. I'm I'm way more functional than I was, but boy, it gets it gets tiresome. Yeah. How yeah. how good are you doing your uh, therapy at home? Uh, absolutely, hundred percent. Okay. I, I don't want to go to a rib resection. <laughs> I, I you know I'd shy away from that honestly, unless there's a clear indication from it. Um, it's something that we think about and, and, you know, we do have referral, uh, sources to send you to if that was a consideration, but it wouldn't be something that I would jump too quickly to just based off of, uh, purely the neurologic and, aspect of it. And how long would you continue with physical therapy before you give up? I guess. Yeah. Uh, my pain has gone from like eight out of 10 to two out of 10 and oh, the ibuprofen controls it. Hmm. Uh, numbness is a constant problem. Is that an but, uh, by the way, Doctor Monson? Is that an indicator that he's on the right path? Yeah, absolutely. And and, no, uh, and with the diagnosis and the treatment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. There's a couple things to think about with that as well. One, uh, it's it's a yellow flag to me. Six months of therapy is a long time for therapy, unless it's very infrequent therapy, right? But if at some point you, I want you to fly. You know, you need to feel comfortable with what you're doing and know what to do at home and, and feel like you're progressing. And then either therapy is changing the program because we're not seeing progress or, or you're starting to graduate from it. So, uh, you know, I'd, I'd take a look at um, who, what, what you're doing with therapy and if you feel like you're progressing and if it's changing for you. And, and, and that was nice progression for probably four months and then it just seems to just be holding any forward extension of my arms and I, I get tingling from about the elbow down and uh, worst thing for me is working at a computer arms out and and uh, it just goes numb right away yeah but I can get out and do physical things uh, sports and whatnot that I used to couldn't and I'm not in and I've gone from about 1600 milligrams of ibuprofen to about 800 a day so that's that's all progress. Yeah. But it yeah. seems like over the last month or so, it's just kind of hit a, a stall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I would I'd get into a, a non, non-operative sports medicine 
physician, have them take a look and uh, see if there's some modifications. There's a, a small study that was done uh, out of Japan, actually, that showed some trigger point injections being done of the scaling muscles of the neck that were actually pretty beneficial at reducing some of these thoracic outlet symptoms. So that's something you could consider as well. Hey, Evan, hang on the line here for just a second. We've got another caller. Uh, did Evan just drop off, Brian? Looks like Evan just dropped off. Who is Jared? Is Jared the one that's got some... So Jared has gone through a similar situation and had some thoughts and, and advice. Was that Evan that just fell off? So he's gone now, Brian? Okay, so uh, Evan's probably still listening. Jared, I'll, I'll just be curious to get your thoughts on uh, on what you went through in this and, and some suggestions on it. Yeah, so just listening to him describe symptoms, and I had seen and gone through physical therapy uh, and uh, – I was never officially diagnosed with thoracic outlet syndrome, but I know that's what Markel Fultz had, right? His mysterious injury, and it's it's a tricky one to diagnose. And um, something that I found is I don't I would ask Evan if he's a side sleeper, um, and what it ended up being up with me was a muscle inside the armpit called the subscapularis that, as a side sleeper, was you know, every night getting pinched. And uh, I actually found he's a massage therapist did some soft tissue massage. And the first time I went to him, after I had done months of physical therapy, I even had a cortisone shot in my shoulder once. But one session with this guy, and he found the muscle in my armpit and dug in there and uh, instantly relieved the symptoms. And I had free range of motion in my shoulder without tingling, without numbness. And uh, we just encourage him to explore that. The subscapularis muscle in the armpit. And if he's a side sleeper, that might be a culprit. Awesome call. Thanks for calling in, Jared. Thanks for listening. And, and thanks for being concerned enough to call in. And Evan's back with us. Dr. Monson, Hans Olson, you're listening to Doc Talk. Actually, Evan just fell off. Did, did, <laughs> did that make sense, Dr. Monson? And, and is that something that maybe Evan could pay attention to? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there always a potential for a muscular component that's uh, entrapping a nerve at some point uh, on, on that course. The subscapularis um, is one of the rotator cuff muscles and not directly involved with uh, thoracic outlet, but it can pinch a nerve that causes symptoms that would feel like that theoretically. So, so it, it may be that and some of that. It, it might be a duel and where he's yeah. you know going through the PT and getting good results but not cleaning it up. Maybe it's just something little like that how often is it adjusting your sleeping style and pattern do you see that a lot for uh, shoulder pain, um, yeah, sometimes people will have their arm up over their shoulder when they're sleeping, and they'll come in and they'll get they'll develop a little bursitis or impingement of the shoulder, and um, you know I couldn't speak towards thoracic outlet and sleep based off of literature that I'm aware of. Yeah, but, you know theoretically you could get some uh, compression on that area. We appreciate the calls. Great job, Evan. Thanks uh, for the call. And uh, we will take a quick one. We'll come right back to James and some of the other callers. James, you'll be up first on the other side with Dr. Monson here on Doc Talk, 97.5, 12 into the zone. You're listening to Doc Talk, presented by University of Utah Health on 97.5, 1280 the zone and the zone sports network. Welcome back to Doc Talk. Jump back out to the phone calls, 855-340-9663. 
Let's go to James. You're up next with Dr. Monson here on Doc Talk. How you doing, James? Good, thanks. Uh, I just got a quick question. Um, I work for Amazon. I deliver their big and bulky, heavy and bulky stuff, anything over like 70 pounds. Okay. And Hans keeps ordering those 150-pound uh, Bowflex uh, select weight dumbbells. Yeah, he does. And we deliver, you know, treadmills, all, all their big heavy stuff, you know, 70 pounds to like 400. Um, my problem is my left elbow, I'm, uh, you know, I've got, I, I'm assuming it's like tennis elbow. The tendon is just super sore. If I go to pick up a cup of coffee and drink it, I mean, it just kills me. Yeah, um, I bought a sleeve, you know, that I put on that goes about mid middle bicep down to the middle of my forearm, and it seems to help a little bit. Cool. Is there anything else I can do until our busy season gets over, or, you know, and then I can rest it some more? Yeah, grab a wrist brace. You can throw a wrist brace on there. It, it, it pull your uh, wrist backwards. So put your palm down, and then pull your wrist up towards your face. Does that make it hurt if you resist that? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so you can imagine if you wore a wrist brace, you're going to stop doing that overactivity, uh, and you could still, you know, be fairly functional with it. I can tell you some numbers on this. Uh, by one year of onset of pain, over 90% of people are better, right? So it goes away all by itself without you having to do anything too aggressive. I always tell people this, that uh, anytime there's a thousand different treatment or remedies, that means there's not a good one. And this is one of those issues that there's a thousand different ways to treat this. Um, and everybody has a miracle story for what got rid of theirs. Um, you can do a, you can do a cortisone injection. We don't love doing that per se. It's, it's, uh, something that's still frequently done. There's some literature that shows that actually slows your long-term healing uh, about 80, about 84% of people are better at one year <clears throat> that it had a steroid injection versus people that didn't, uh, meaning that it may slow yeah, the healing I'm, process. I'm just pretty much hitting the ibuprofen and, you know, uh, got to keep remembering to grab that brace in the morning. I and mean, we're working 10 hour days, six yeah. days a week. So yeah. know, everyone wants their stuff for Christmas. So. Yeah, they do, man. <laughs> a compression sleeve is helpful. Like you're wearing right now, a wrist brace helps. They do make a, a, a brace that you can put on your elbow that has a little mattress on it, like a little pad. And you can put that, uh, over the area or just a little bit before where it's hurting. <clears throat> and that can uh, help uh, decrease the pressure that you're feeling there too, maybe a little bit more than the sleeve that you're wearing. So those are two uh, common and, and useful tricks. Uh, you can look up online if you type in tennis elbow exercises. Um, there's there's a list of some things that you can do. They're called eccentric exercises, which help uh, help that tendon to actually heal and calm down a little bit too. The good news is you're saying that nearly everybody after a year's time it recovers from it. Yeah, nearly everybody. You're going to have some listeners right now out there thinking, well, why am I not better? Because it does happen where it's more chronic. And in that setting, we do have options uh, that, that we can do with people that are still minimally invasive uh, along the lines of uh, either PRP injections or uh, tenotomies, uh, different, different procedures where we can help to breed out some of the scar tissue, which seem to be pretty effective for people as well. Any other questions, James? No, that's it. I'm good. Thanks, guys. Right. Have a great night. You too. Good luck delivering. Call us in a year. Let us know. <laughs> yeah. One year's time. Let us know. I'll, I'll try to stop ordering the Bowflex weights. <laughs> yeah. The, what, what did he say? The adjustable Bowflex yeah. weights? Yeah. Um, I was figuring he's just delivering gold bars to your house. Yeah. Just no. That's definitely not happening. Definitely not. <laughs> but I, I know that this is a busy time a year for those guys, and, yeah. and I'm sure that there's extra usage, and he's probably right there. People that are ordering these heavy boxes. But, uh, maybe some basic lifting techniques um, 
might help him. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, this is, it, it, this actually does respond quite well to therapy. Often if you get them on the right exercise program, that eccentric program that I'm referring to is where you lengthen out the muscle with tension on it. Okay. Um, and interestingly, we talked a little bit before to our other caller about stabilizing that shoulder blade. There's probably some benefit to having a nice stable shoulder blade, even with pain at the elbow. It doesn't necessarily make sense how you think about it, but uh, like you said, technique, making sure that shoulder's nice and stabilized as you're moving helps put less pressure on the elbow. You're listening to Dr. Nick Monson here on Doc Talk 97.5, The Zone, brought to you by University of Utah Health. We were talking about the orthopedic injury clinic. You got the same day walk-ins, which is incredible. Monday through Thursday, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. And then Friday, we extend it noon to 6 p.m. I, I would love people to just put it in their mind because things just pop up. Things happen. And Dr. Monson was talking about it's it's not so much the acute, it's a lot of it's kind of somewhat more the, the, the traumatic. You know, if it's if it an ACL blows in a game or you rupture an Achilles or you strain Achilles or you've got a, a serious muscle or joint issue, come into the clinic and we'll get you seen by these physicians that can really help you understand what's going on with your body. Again, that's Monday through Thursday, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. and Friday, noon to 6 p.m. If you want to jump on, we might be able to sneak one more call in, 855-340-9663. We'll take a quick one, try to slip a call in, but we'll put a wrap on this Doc Talk. 97.5, 12 into the zone in the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to Doc Talk. Presented by University of Utah Health on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to Doc Talk with Dr. Monson, brought to you by University of Utah Health. Let's jump back out of the phone lines. We'll get to one more quick call. Brad, you're up next with Dr. Monson. Go ahead, Brad. Hi, thank you. Yeah, so my 14-year-old son was diagnosed with Little League Elbow, and he's been resting his elbow and doing some physical therapy for the last four months or so. My, my question though is if he starts to return to throwing program and it gets aggravated again, I mean, what's, what's the prognosis? Uh, little, little leaguer's elbow does prognostically very well if it's treated correctly. So it sounds like you're on the right track, honestly. Um, and, uh, Basically, as long as you're returning him in a very gradual and, and appropriate way, uh, throwing, you know, pitching counts. Or what, what position does he play, I guess? What's his sport? Well, he's left-handed. He plays first base and outfield, and he wants to return to pitching. Okay. Yeah, it, we there's a lot of data on this now, and, and pitching count really does matter. And how they throw, throwing mechanics really do matter. And uh, for people that don't know, a, a little leaguer's elbow is basically an overuse injury on a, a bone that hasn't fused completely. So there's just a lot of extra pull on, on, on the bone, um, and there can be some irritation to the, the cartilage in the elbow. And um, so in this setting, you just have to give it time to heal so that the blood supply can catch up with the bone and make sure that everything's healthy. And prognostically, we don't have any long-term issues from these typically. They, they do quite well. Would would a PRP therapy work for that? No, I, I would I would save your money on that for a little leaguer's elbow. Okay. Yeah. How old, how old so, is he, I mean, Brad? It, he's fourteen. 
Yeah, little, little leaguer's elbow, uh, typically, or you know, PRP. Uh, there, are, there is some research that we do more of that sometimes in uh, a ligament on the inside of the elbow called the UCL, which is the one that typically gets repaired with a Tommy John surgery. Um, and even some of the literature for that's refuting whether it's positive or negative. Um, but we, we have seen benefit with patients doing that on occasion if it's the right patient. So, so. if it gets aggravated again, I mean, is that just going to hurt until he quits growing? Uh, potentially, but I, you know, if it, if it keeps hurting, that, it's at that point that I'd really uh, take a better look and make sure that you have the right diagnosis with it, uh, make sure that that is indeed what's going on. Um, for me, typically, that would mean that I'd uh, do a little bit more imaging and make sure that we're not missing something else as a potential cause if okay. it's recurring. Thanks for the phone call, Brad. Appreciate it. And uh, hopefully you can get that better quickly because that's terrible to 14-year-olds having to deal with that. That's rough. Yeah. Uh, but is that common? Yeah. Yeah. A little. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not the worst prognosis. I mean, truly, this is, this is a kid that's going to do really well. Uh, a lot of these kids that uh, they uh, we, we really encourage them to do multiple sports, multiple activities. Um, and as they transition from sport to sport, there's less likelihood of causing a recurring injury to that same elbow. So, you know, make sure that he's not doing everything throwing. Have him do some lower body stuff. Have him do some core stuff. Have him do some uh, then go back to throwing. But seasonal. Well, Dr. Monson, thank you so much. These things always go by too fast. Yeah. We need to make them four hours. <laughs> Reagan, you willing to sit in here for four hours? <laughs> Big thanks to University of Utah Health. Big thanks to the great physicians that come in. There's nobody better. And we will see you back here on January 9th. That'll be our next Doc Talk. So save your medical questions for then. That's January 9th. We'll see you right back here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone for Doc Talk.